You guys can grab a seat, and uh, we want to, you guys did an awesome job. Go ahead and grab a seat. I'm going to take a few minutes to hang out with you guys. Anybody looking forward to presents? A few of you, that's good. So, so what are we asking for? To Santa. To Santa, really, yeah. So, you know. Together, like yes. Saint Nicholas. Oh, like Saint. Oh, well, I asked, didn't I? I did. I, got, got, I asked for us. So, you guys did such a nice job. Thanks for preparing that song for us, and I'm excited for you. This is a really special time of year. Now, I have a question for you. This is different for those of you who are with us in the first service. Um, I did not ask this question. I want to know: Have any of you ever eaten fruit cake before? No. Oh no. A few. Does anyone like fruit cake? Oh, you love it. Does anyone like fruitcake in the world? Okay, a couple of you out there. You know that's German for broken tooth, right? You guys know that, right? That's good. You know, it's funny, this time of year, you guys, we, we sang, you sang some beautiful words to a song that means so much. And as we talk about the words of Christmas, I want to remind you of a couple of weird words in Christmas that we actually sing. And, and I want you all to join me in this in remembering some of the weird songs that we sing this time of year. And there are some weird weird words of Christmas, let's be honest. Like, well, I already mentioned fruitcake, eggnog, those are like the basic ones. But uh, what about this one? We sing this song, Deck the Halls, right? Deck the Halls, it sounds like something you'd get put in time out for, right? If you do this. And, and when we use the word deck, I love this, uh, the Peanuts cartoon up here. Like, you, you remember the Christmas tree that Charlie Brown bring home, brings home? And then Linus's blanket and a couple of decorations, they deck it. Uh, and then it turns into this beautiful Christmas tree, right? It doesn't make any sense at all, but it's beautiful, right? So deck the halls. Another word that I think is funny this time of year, maybe even stranger, is a song that you've sung, and I'm guessing if we could get you to confess it, that when you've sung this song, you're like, I don't know what that word means, or why do we sing it? So when we sing the word, um, troll the ancient yuletide carol, troll the ancient, uh, some, some of you see the trolls that are on the screen, like, like how many of you actually can be honest and say that you owned a treasure troll in your life, all right? A few of you, you still do? Uh, did any of you ask for a treasure troll for Christmas? No, but you've seen the Trolls movie, right? Some of you have seen it. So troll the ancient Yuletide Carol. That's an interesting word. And I think it's fascinating that it has nothing to do with these colorful little guys, but it means to sing parts in a song. So kind of like what you guys just did a beautiful job with was singing bits of the song. And we all agree that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, right? A few of you are paying attention. That's good. So, so you guys did a great job of encouraging us with that. A couple other weird ones that stand out. I think this is interesting. In the Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas song, we say, happy golden days of yore. Um, have any of you used the word yore in a sentence outside of Christmas time? I certainly have not. Uh, and it, it really does just basically mean um, to remember a long time past. And uh, we, we had a great experience with our family uh, at Thanksgiving time. My mother-in-law found some awesome videos of her Christmas uh, when she was a kid growing up and when she was about your guys' age. And I noticed one thing on the tree that was very significant, and that was a lot of of tinsel. Um, anyone want to confess that they have tinsel on their Christmas tree right now? Um, the, no, nobody. Okay. In the first service, there was a bunch of them and they were already thinking about how they're going to clean it off the tree, right? And so uh, we've got, we got the recognition of the the olden days, golden days of yore. What about this one? Wassailing. Um, this is a fancy way of saying Christmas carols. 
Now, now there's, there's a lot of words that are funny at um, Christmas time, you know, wassling. Some of you are like, wait, isn't that the drink that people drink when they, they sing Christmas carols? Just interesting, isn't it, how these words become a part of the songs we sing? But what about the vocabulary of Christmas? The next one, hark the herald angels sing. Uh, you guys know it. You just sung about it. And I'm so thankful that, yes, we get excited about Christmas when it comes to gifts. In fact, I have a gift for you today, a candy cane that's like Oreo-flavored candy cane, which I, I hope it's good. It sounds, sounds a little weird. Okay, yes, it's strange. It's what they had at the store today, all right? So, um, so uh, but uh, I, a small gift for you. But uh, Hark the Herald is a term that we use that is actually a reference to Luke chapter 2. When it describes what the angels say, glory to God in the highest. Uh, one of the more important words that we need to remember, and I want to challenge you all to remember this on this special day, is a song that we sing, Long Lay the World in Sin and Error Pining. Uh, it has nothing to do with pine trees. It has nothing to do with Christmas trees. It has everything to do with the reality of sin in our lives, the decisions that we make that go against the design and plan of God for each one of us. And so, so as we sing these weird songs and as we recognize these weird lyrics, there's one that really stands out to me that's one of my favorite words this time of year. In fact, some of you might have this as your middle name, the word Noel. And, and Noel is such a significant one because it reminds us about this important part of Christmas. Do you guys know what Noel means? Some of you are paying attention earlier. What's Noel mean, Alina? means Christmas in particular. What, what does it mean, Evelyn? Yeah. So did you see that? Evelyn was just on it. She says it means birth, birthday, which her daddy's birthday is today um, on uh, Dan Kenyon. We're so grateful for your daddy. And it means birth. It means birthday. No well. And so my little gift that I have for you guys, other than a weird Oreo candy cane, is a, a, a plain old boring uh, candle. But so, <laughs> yes, but I want to challenge you. Eli knows what I'm going to challenge him to do. So I challenged them in the first service that we had to take this little candle, and this is a normal candle. I'll actually put them right over here. You can grab them on your way out. But what I want to challenge you to do is, um, now, now, is there any special food you guys are going to eat over the next two days? Eli, what are you going to, or okay, what? Yeah. What? Hamburgers for Christmas? That's weird. <laughs> That's good. So, <laughs> what? Neo, you're going to have what? He's going to put, okay, so here what Neo just said is I'm going to challenge you guys that when you sit down for that, that fun Christmas meal, whether it's tonight or tomorrow, when nobody's looking, I'm going to challenge you to take that little Christmas candle and I want to encourage you to stick it in someone's food. Maybe they're stuffing or um, mashed potato. No, mashed potatoes won't work very well, will it? But stick it in something and then remind everybody at the table, what is it? that we celebrate this time of year, the birth, Jesus's yeah, birthday. Jesus's birthday. Hey, let's give these guys a round of applause for being adorable. Um, good job. You guys can grab your candy canes on the way down. We're so proud of you. And I'm going to ask you to join me for a second and to just take a moment in the busyness of the reality of our lives to, to pause and to be still and to know that he is our God. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for the hymns that we've sung. I thank you for the lyric of that song that we sing, a weary world rejoices. I thank you that every single person that walked into Hope Church this afternoon, you know their story completely. 
Lord, that you know why they're here. You know what drew them to this place. You knew what, you know what it is that they're excited about. You also know for some in this room what it is that they're dreading. Uh, what is it that has made them weary in this time of year? We talk so much about family this time of year and we recognize for some it is a time of rejoicing. We also recognize that for some this time of year is a time of mourning. And so, Father God, we just ask um, today, we, we thank you for this Christmas Eve, the time where we celebrate the, the, the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnation, the gift of the Lord Jesus. And as we remember that Noel does mean happy birthday, Lord, I pray that we would not allow the focus of this time to be shifted away from you onto us. So I pray for each and every person here that they would sense your loving presence, that they would receive the message that you have for them today. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I think one of the temptations for us this time of year is for us to shift away from this being a focus on him, uh, the gift of Christ, and to focus in on ourselves. Uh, when I was a little guy, about their ages, uh, those that were up here, we had, as at my church, um, there was a church that I grew up at. And my parents still attend the same church. They've been there for 50 plus years, and it was called Christian Tabernacle. Now it's called Fair Creek Church. And they had a handbell choir. Okay. Uh, anybody ever been a part of or seen the handbell choir before? I'm doing this because this was one of my lifelong goals that I never had the experience of doing. Okay. Uh, now this is confession. I have no musical gifting whatsoever. None. I mean, whatever negative is, I have that when it comes to, I have confessed publicly that I retired a piano teacher. I'm that bad musically. But when I was, when I was a kid growing up they, at our church, they had the white gloved Christmas uh, handbell choir that happened on a service just like this. And I was so impressed, so moved by it, that after they had transitioned from worship pastors or whatever, that, um, that they, they had done away with the handbell choir. And I never got my chance to be a part of the handbell choir. It's like over-confessing right now, isn't it? So, so what I proceeded to do for the next several years is almost every Sunday in the comment card, I said, please bring back the handbell choir. Um, it just makes no sense at all, right? Like, why would you do this? Well, it's because I wanted to be a part of the song, right? I wanted to be a part of the, I wanted to have that experience. And I'm guessing for some of us today, when we walked into this place, that there's a feeling of Christmas. There, there's an experience that we have that we're longing for. Can I just recreate something or can I have this experience? And, and as we talk about the simple phrase, God with us, Emmanuel, I just want to celebrate the fact that what happened when Christ came was so much more than just a feeling or an emotion, so much more than what we sing about or even the weird words of Christmas, but instead that as we celebrate the gift of Christ and as we celebrate the recognition of Emmanuel, God with us, that this is the gift that allows us to go from being weary to rejoicing. That lyric that was penned in that song by the French composer so many years ago articulates something that I have longed for. Someone pointed out that as we've been going through a series as a church family on this, that, that there's a funny lyric in that song that, that says, and the soul felt its worth. And, and I've wondered for some of us in the room, like, has it? 
Have, have we recognized it? Is it something that means to us what it intended, it's intended to mean? Or is it something different, something just lesser? Is it something lacking? And I just want to invite you, I want to encourage you to hear, first of all, when it comes to our lack, when it comes to our inability to understand fully what it means to, to be saved, to experience the salvation that God offers for us. I want you to hear these words in John chapter eight. These are so encouraging to me. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And do you know what the rest of it says? It says, and the truth will set you free. I think for some of us, as we walk into a church like this, we do the routine of, of services like this, we check it off in the box, and I just want to encourage you. What I'm sharing with you today, I believe 100% that this is true, that this is worth dying for. In fact, the first people who received this message and saw the birth of Christ, who experienced it as he entered into his earthly ministry, that that many of them chose to lose their lives because they believed this message was so true. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to an ancient text in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And as we look at Isaiah 7, 14, we remember the fact that this prophet who penned these words some six, 700 years before Christ, he prophesied that this was going to happen. The world was going to be changed. And what's so significant to me as I study this, is that, is that Isaiah was speaking to a group of people who'd confused themselves as to what their real problem was. They thought their needs were political. They thought their needs were financial. They thought that their needs were about security and safety in the country that they lived in, in Israel, and especially Judea, where Isaiah was prophesying. And the message of that book over and over and over again was that they did not need security or safety or something more, what they needed to recognize that actually their weariness was a result of their sin. That, that their weariness was the result of ignoring the gift that God had given them of his truth. And that they were choosing to say, I want to do it my way. So when John says in that passage earlier that the truth will set you free, I believe that that's crystal clear. Truth, you can take that to the bank. It's valuable. And then in this ancient text in Isaiah chapter 7, 14, listen to these incredible words. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Don't miss it. It's clear. It's important. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. One of the weird words of Christmas. Thankfully, we understand what that word means. It gets unpacked in the book of Matthew. Emmanuel, God with us. I'll just, I'll just tell you in my life that one of my favorite words is the word with I think the idea of being isolated, doing it our own way, having it our own, ex experiencing life on our own is something that falls so short of what God wants for us. And as he describes this term, God with us, I just want to celebrate with you something that some of you may have questioned over the last two years. Is God still involved? Does God still care? Does God know about what we're experiencing? I think if you could have listed out the things that would be a source of discouragement, stealing away courage for you, they probably happened in your life over the last two years. 
For some of you, you're mourning. For some of you, you've had stuff taken away. For some of you, you don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. None of us do, right? And so when we say, Emmanuel, God with us, just want to encourage, he hasn't forgotten you. He knows exactly what you're going through. He came to understand and also to be your living hope, the hope for every single one of us. I think that that idea of with is something that's essential for us. Some of us are weary. Some of us are not willing to be honest with ourselves and to accept that it's some of our own decisions that may have made us weary in our lives. I got a little distracted uh, when it came to the handbell choirs because it really had nothing to do with worship, right? Like that's, the, that's what those things were supposed to be about, was about worship. I can remember very vividly when I was young that my parents had said, um, we were at a, uh, my mom and I, we were at a store that had an electrical socket that was on the ground and I was playing with a paper clip and my mom said, very specifically, do not stick that in the socket. So what do you think I did? Yeah, do not stick that in the socket. I stuck it, don't get any ideas, any of you. Um, and when stuff came flying out and when I got like one of the reasons why I still forget things to this day, right? When, when that happened, there were consequences of it. And I think when we talk about weary world rejoicing, I think it's appropriate for us to remember as we talk about some of this, that some of it is self-inflicted. That some of it's just based on ignoring the things that God wants us, the, the plan that he has for us, the truth that he's given us, kind of doing it our own way. For others, though, there's, there's a part of us recognizing that we're out of control of a lot of the things that are happening. I want to share with you a story that's familiar this time of year of a guy who his circumstances he never would have asked for. He really did have a no good, very bad day. Let me share it with you in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. The familiar story of the, the, of the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says this in verse 1. It says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Let's talk about Joe for a second. Uh, Joe jo had just traveled some, we were told, some 90 miles. This would have been a difficult journey. Joseph was trying to obey um, what the rules of the land were. He was going to pay his taxes appropriately. Uh, he was betrothed to Mary, which is a unique setting where it was almost like marriage, but without the acts that consecrate a marriage. And so here they've traveled together. Let's just put it this way. If we use our sanctified imagination, he was invested in this relationship. So he gets to this, this Bethlehem, this, this experience, this, this, this incredible Nazareth, Nazareth experience, and he gets to this place. And as he stands in this moment in his life, he, he hears the message that, that his wife, who are his betrothed wife, his, his, the one he's engaged to, the one he has a relationship, that she's expecting a child, and he had nothing to do with it, 100% sure. And so in that shock, here, what the text says that he decided to do was that he wanted to do what was appropriate according to the Old Testament law and his kindness to say, I'm just going to resolve to end this relationship with her. This would have, even if we're using uh, our sanctified imagination or not, this would have been a tough day for anybody. And here, as he receives this, I just want to gently remind you, Joseph's experience 
would have been filled with pain and fear. But what I love is that word with, it still applies. God hadn't forgotten him. God's with him through this step of the journey. It says this in verse 20. But as he considered these things, so here he's taking the time to say what is going on. As he considered these things, behold, an angel, a messenger of the Lord, appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Brothers and sisters, let's take a pause for a second. What makes you fear today? What is it that's the source of fear? I think for me, if I'm confessing this honestly with you today, it's when I have to accept that I am not in control. I love my family. I want to provide for them. I want to meet their needs. I want to care well for them. I want to care for my... We're all wrestling with decisions like, do we go to the house or not? How do we deal with all the stuff that's happening? Who's sick? How do we care for... There's their fear that comes in me recognizing that I'm not in control. But you know what's awesome about that? What we see in Joe's life is that he knew the one that's in control, Right? And so as we celebrate and recognize that we're not in control, there's a part of this that allows us to say, God is with us. He hasn't forgotten us. He's caring for us through each step of the journey. So here he reflects, he considers, and then God sends a messenger to him and he says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, regardless of your experiences in your life, regardless of the pain that you're going through, regardless of what you're mourning, God is still with you. This is how a weary world rejoices. I think that it's by remembering that God is with them. So do you? Do, do you remember that God is still with you? Are you a person who's allowing yourself to trust that he's still engaged and involved in your life? Or are you resentful? Are you discouraged? Are you frustrated? I think that the cause of discouragement would have been there for Joseph, but he was a man who chose to trust and to listen to the voice of God. I think it's essential for us to remember, without him, you and I cannot handle the burdens of our life. We're not strong enough. Uh, we, we don't have the strength to handle the burdens of our life. I already mentioned this, but some of our weariness is not self-inflicted. Joseph was experiencing a thing that God had ordained from history, from literally the beginning. At the very beginning of time, the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ was there. We know from Genesis 3.15 and other truths of scripture that he was and then as he came to earth, that he came to seeking to save that which was lost, to, to, um, to establish the truth of the gospel, established for each one of us through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we understand the, the incredible truth of the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, we remember that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So, so yes, as he comes, uh, we recognize that without him, we cannot handle the burdens of life. Some of it's self-inflicted. Some of it is not. But regardless of how we find ourselves weary, I think it's important for us to be honest with our own decisions that we're making, especially like Israel, when Isaiah wrote this, about their own self-inflicted 
decisions that they were making. I had a mom share with me that she was trying to encourage her son who had the tendency to lie. Um, and uh, they had noticed in their household that the cookie jar just kept getting lower and lower. And she'd asked her kids, like, who did this? Who did this? This was not my mom, I promise. Um, but the, the cookie jar, it's getting lower and lower and lower. And she walked into the pantry and literally her son's hand was in the cookie jar. And the first words that came out of his mouth were, it wasn't me. Isn't that great? So, um, you, you know that that's inside of each one of us, right? That there's a, there's a part of us that wants to deny and to push away the things that could steal away from understanding God with us, experiencing it. I think it's important for us to recognize that we need to accept responsibility. And, and honestly, I think that in this generation, in this day and age, that it's important for us to recognize. So like some people will say things like, well, I don't believe in that. And the assumption is because I don't believe in it, that there's a God and that he loves you, that he knows your needs, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's not my thing. Like if you don't believe that, it doesn't make it any less true. And I'll say that again. If you don't believe in the truth of the gospel or that there's a reality that God created the earth and he's, it, it, it doesn't make it less true in your life. It's a simple truth. I love the way Tim Keller, who's got such a great mind, he's such a gift to us. I love the way he writes and speaks, but he, he says this about Christmas, and I find it to be helpful. He says, to understand Christmas is to understand basic Christianity. It's to understand the gospel. And then he goes on to say it like this about those of us, I think, who are skeptical of the truth of the gospel, those who would say, is this really for me? No one is really neutral about whether Christmas is true. If the Son of God was really born in a manger, now that phrase is really important. If the Son of God really, truly was born in a manger, then we've lost the right to be in charge of our lives. Who can be objective about the claim that if it is true, it means you've lost control of your life? You cannot be. In other words, if it's true, it's true. The choice for each one of us is how we're going to respond to it. Verse 21, I just love this statement. Verse 21 says this, she will bear a son and you shall name his, you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua. Yah saves. That's what Jesus' name means. God saves for he will save his people from their sins. That's, that's what you and I need, whether we recognize it or not. We need saved from our sins. That description earlier from the book of John was the statement that says that he, he can do it. He knows how to do it. He did it. He knows what we need. And, and I think it's helpful for us to understand that this is what Jesus did for us, that he put flesh on it, on this, this reality of God incarnate. I, I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it. This is interesting when he describes the incarnation. Maybe this is helpful for you. Maybe this doesn't help, but I found this to be interesting. Um, for those of you who have dogs, um, how many of you have dogs? A few of us. I, I love my beagle. He's my dude. Um, so Snoopy is my boy. Um, but uh, I want to, to you to think about your, your pet when he says this. Laying at your feet is your dog. Imagine for the moment that your dog and every dog is in deep distress. Some of us love dogs very much. And if it would be help all of the dogs in the world to become like men, would you be willing to become a dog? Would you put down your human nature, leave your loved ones, your job, your hobbies, your art, your literature and music, and choose instead 
the intimate communion with your beloved, the poor substitute of looking into the beloved's face and wagging your tail, unable to smile or speak. Why? Because Christ, by becoming man, limited the thing which to him was the most precious thing in the world, his unhampered, unhindered communion with the Father. In other words, what he's saying there, C.S. Lewis, the master of words, is saying there that when Christ condescended to the earth, he chose to give up the, the presence of God the Father, the, the perfect presence of, of the Lord, and in his full God, godness and humanity, he came to the earth. Why? Because he loves you and I so much. That's what we celebrate. He did that. This is a great phrase. He did that for you. Third point this afternoon is knowing that God is with you can truly transform fear into rejoicing. We use, we've used lots of words um, for this. We've talked about weariness and discouragement. Um, we've talked about fear. That's what happened with Joseph. His experience was that he feared, but then he was able to see it turn into rejoicing. Verse 22 says it like this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That's Isaiah, who we've been studying. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. I love this simple, powerful truth. He obeyed, that he took God at his word. He, in the midst of his weariness, it wasn't that all his problems were solved, but instead what he chose to do was to obey. I think it's important for us to, to be honest about the things that discourage us. I think it's appropriate for us to say what makes us weary. I'm guessing for as many people as are here in this room that there's different ways for us to find ourselves weary. But, but I want to give you this gift today. This is one of the things that, that concerns me about the way we kind of process things and how we go through life is that I, I just want to remind you, when we talk about faith in Christ, when we talk about accepting Christ, it's not just that we say that we're going to try to not do something. Now, let me, let me illustrate this. If I told you to try to not think of Santa Claus, how's that going to work for you? Okay? To try to not think about Santa Claus, right? Will you do that with me? Let's try to not think about Santa Claus and his red robe and his fun hat and his white beard. How are you doing right now? It's not working very well, is it? Like you've got him pictured in your mind right now, right? To, to say that we're not, so, so this is what's so beautiful about God incarnate is that, that we understand this principle in scripture is that we shift our focus away from something onto something. So when I say to you, think about the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross dying. Why? Because he loved you so much. At the moment of the crucifixion, the words that Jesus said to us, the culmination of the incarnation of that infant was father. Do you remember what it was? Father, forgive them, the people who are putting him on the cross, for they know not what they do. Do you understand how beautiful that is? And do you understand? So, so we shift. So, so now we're thinking about the cross. And you know what happens is that the other things that we'd fill our minds with, they just fade away. So, so when I say God with us, I just want to challenge you. It's not about necessarily just putting things out of our mind or trying harder or thinking smarter or being even more holy. You understand that word, set apart, distinct. 
uh, righteous, all those words. Instead, I think it's that we shift the focus of our hearts to the thing that matters most. Emmanuel, what is it? God with us. So, so you have a, you, I have a question for you then in the light of that. Have you? Do you understand it? Do you, do you recognize that the, there's this wonderful word of the cross, tetelestai, it's a Greek word. It means paid in full. Do you understand that that's, that's what, what it means for us to accept that being good enough has never been good enough? This is how we turn fear into rejoicing. It's by trusting so I ask you to think about the cross. I ask you to recognize God's ability to overcome the deepest, darkest sin in our life. The, the, the decisions that we make to take matters in our own hands, to do our own things in our own way. And so like Israel in those words that were penned so many hundreds of years before Christ, that they were suffering in sin, and they were suffering at the hands of their own sin. I, I want to I encourage you... Um, uh, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. This is a wonderful passage of scripture. Uh, in fact, this is, this is maybe like worth getting a tattoo of or uh, worth writing on your doorposts. Or, uh, this is like an awesome Christmas passage of scripture. It says this, He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people, he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Isn't that image incredible? He will wipe away the tears of people. Why? Because he's with us. Why? Because he came to die for us. Why? Why does a weary world, weary, ugh, can't even say it. Uh, why does a weary world rejoice? Because of the fact that we can declare Emmanuel God with us. So, so, so what's your story? How are you responding to Christmas? What is it that's saturating your experience? Is it expectation of God interacting with you in a way that changes your life? Or is it just an attempt like my old handbell choir experience to capture something that moved your heart at one time in history? And I think if that's all we're trying to do, then we're, we're grasping at something that's unattainable. So, so let's try to experience something new this year, each one of us. Let's allow ourselves to stand back and let's allow ourselves to be in awe of the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost and which is you and I. He came so that we can see weary worlds, weary worlds rejoicing. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the good news of it. I thank you. That, as Keller put it, to understand Christmas is to understand the gospel. And uh, I pray that for each one of us. I thank you for each and every person that chiseled out time in their schedule to join us today, uh, to worship together, to fellowship. Thank you for the worship team that's led us uh, to the throne of grace today and reminding us of these uh, powerful truths of the gospel and of um, the incarnation of Christ. I pray that as we close the service out, we do so in a way that's glorifying and honoring to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.